In the fourth episode of the Voice First Roundtable, I interview Lior Grebler, CEO and co-founder of UCIC, a company that works with hardware makers to integrate voice. In this interview, you'll hear him discuss his 2012 Kickstarter for the Ubi, which was a product that was way ahead of its time, and how that shaped his Voice First vision from that point forward. There's a little bit of echo on my microphone as a result of recording this podcast remotely, so bear with that, and that will go away for the next episode. Thanks very much for listening, and enjoy. Hi, and welcome to Episode 4 of the Voice First Roundtable. This podcast is dedicated to examining all issues of the emerging field of voice technology. Our sponsors for today's podcast are Forthcast, which turns your podcast into an Alexa skill. Get started at forthcast.com today, and that's spelled F-O-U-R-T-H-C-A-S-T. Our other sponsor for this podcast is the Alexa Conference. The Alexa Conference is the annual gathering of Alexa developers and enthusiasts. Learn more and get registered at alexaconference.com. We are so pleased to have as our special guest today, Lior Grebler. Am I pronouncing that right? You got it right. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, Lior. We greatly appreciate it. Brad, it's a pleasure to be speaking with you. So I want to start with you uh, almost five years ago, August 2012, when you and your colleagues roll out a Kickstarter for the Ubi. Let's just start right off the bat with you explaining what that is. So the Ubi was short for Ubiquitous Computer. It was a Wi-Fi connected voice operated computer uh, that essentially you could plug in, it would connect to your home's Wi-Fi network, and you could talk to it. You could ask it to um, play music, you could look up weather information, um, you could send email and text messages, uh, you could even make phone calls. Um, you could also control home automation devices uh, through your phone. So, um, yeah, sounds sounds familiar maybe to, to some things that are on the market today. It does. And the form factor, it looks like if you took a Echo Dot and you turned it into a square, um, it maybe flattened it a hair, um, and then uh, added a plug to the back of it. That's what this thing looks like. And I want to take a moment uh, and read. I've got the Kickstarter pulled up in front of me. I want to read the list of features that you guys launched this thing with. Voice-enabled internet search, speaker phone, indicator light, home speaker system with sound piping, virtual assistant, voice memos, alarm clock, intercom system, baby monitor, noise pollution monitor, and controlling the climate of your home, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> yes, uh, it slices and dices. So I, I, I want to uh, emphasize that because this was not yesterday that you rolled this thing out. This was in August 2012. And in contrast, Apple just had an event just a few months ago 
where they showed off the HomePod. And there's a, a slide that I have burned in my memory of Phil Schiller explaining the HomePod. And their list of features was actually worse than yours from August 2012. So what you've done is incredibly, incredibly impressive. It, it sounded good. And we, we kept on adding more features to our feature list, I think, as we went through our Kickstarter. Of course, that was a, uh, a rookie move. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we should have actually had fewer features listed, but, but yeah, we could, we could do a lot with it. We, we weren't sure where this technology would go and, um, we weren't sure how people were going to use it. Um, what we knew is that the supporting technologies were finally getting to a point where if we put them together, we could create something that would be really unique and um, the result is we started to think about all these different ideas on what you could do uh, with this type of product. And that's why you end up with that, that large feature, feature list. So, Well, and you also had a phenomenal video. You did all the Kickstarter stuff right. You had a phenomenal video, which I watched earlier today. Um, and you had all the tiers you know, for your Kickstarter very thoughtfully planned out. And you had a goal of $36,000. And you ended up with two hundred, nearly two hundred and thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Um, so it was a big success. Obviously, it was a very um, <laughs> forward-thinking product, to say the least. Walk us through sort of what happened. Um, you know, obviously, you delivered on that, and, and sort of talk talk to me and the audience about how that led you to where you are now. Tell us the story of, of where, how Ubi led to UCIC. So, so yeah, so actually the story starts a little bit before our Kickstarter project um, back in 2012. And, and you, you mentioned a few things with Kickstarter, and I won't, I won't take this conversation in the direction of Kickstarter, but a lot of the things were really intentional. Um, you know, 2012 was kind of the heyday of Kickstarter where you could, you could put something very, I guess, more or less amateur up and it would still get quite a bit of traction. Things were still really new and exciting on Kickstarter. Now you have to have a lot of marketing and and uh, and and professional video in order to make your Kickstarter successful. So we actually were hacking Kickstarter quite a bit. We had analyzed you know the top fifteen to twenty technology Kickstarters. We we looked at at. Uh, a bunch of different variables for all of them. And we said, okay, at the very least, we're going to design a Kickstarter that's going to be successful. And it wasn't our first. Um, we had actually, it just your your listeners should never look up Salsa Clock. Just strike it from your memory. <laughs> Don't look it up. But we actually, one, one of my my partners, uh, we had, we had uh, done a Kickstarter before that that was just basically two guys talking about salsa dancing in a video. And at the end of our Kickstarter campaign, uh, we ended up, uh, I think we we're trying to raise $5,000. We ended up with 150 and there were two backers. Um, there was myself and my partner. And, well, and your mom wants her money back. Yeah. My, my mother wouldn't even contribute to that Kickstarter. So, <laughs> so she didn't, she wanted nothing to do with it, but um, no, it was a um, it, you know we it was a, a big failure, but we actually learned a lot from that in order to go ahead and prepare our next Kickstarter, which we knew we would have to, we had to have a real tangible product. We had to have um, you know certain wording, certain uh, pricing tiers. Um, you had to create demand at the beginning for it. Uh, so there's a lot of things that we kind of did to hack it. But before we even kind of you know talk about. Kickstarter and just the process of raising money, like the idea of the Ubi, um, actually, 
came quite a bit before our, our campaign where we were, um, you know, myself and the other co-founders, we actually have our backgrounds in engineering. Um, we had a chance to, to visit, uh, we, we were working for a company that provided research and teaching equipment to universities. It's a really cool, cool company. And uh, we got to go all over the place and, and see kind of what was coming, you know, coming down. I, I know you're from, you're from Nashville, right? So we, you know, I had a chance yes. to visit Vanderbilt and visit the nice. the haptics labs in Vanderbilt, where they were working. You know, trying to see if we could help out with some of the projects around around haptics in uh, in 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 that that lab. So we got to see all Very of these cool. these cutting edge things. And and when we would come back to town, we would go out for lunch, and we'd kind of see this kind of disconnect where people were really, um, you know, all of the people who were working with uh, at you know, as part of our, our, our day jobs, we're working on these cutting-edge technologies that were going to revolutionize human-computer interaction. But when we looked around us, people were heads down in their devices. They, were, they weren't even paying attention to the person sitting across from them. And they were distracted. And we kind of saw this, this progression where people would become more disconnected from the world around them, more disconnected from other people. And maybe... Um, the way that they were interacting with technology was the problem, where your head's down looking at a screen um, that, that consumed all of, your, all of your attention. What if you could get technology to fade to the background and chime in when you need it? And we started to think about all sorts of ideas. Um, originally, we were thinking of um, just a lamp that would glow different colors to alert you of different things. This has been done like dozens of times by different Kickstarter projects. Um, we, we thought about, then we kind of pared it down. What if we were to um, work on just a, uh, a plug that you could plug in that could be internet connected? This is before Wemo. This is before, you know, you know millions of devices that are similar to that that, do, that, that are just Wi-Fi connected plugs. So we started to work on that, on that as a project. Um, and uh, we actually had gone ahead. We made a Kickstarter video for it. We had we had done all sorts of research on it. We were gonna we were actually gonna go forward with that. When all of a sudden, another company, another startup, actually had launched a similar project, and we knew that we had we had lost our first mover advantage. So we we scrapped that idea, and um, eventually we went. Uh, we said we went back to the drawing board. Said, okay, what else can we do with this that would really kind of make an impact and go in that direction of of getting technology to fade to the background? And we said, okay, this has a Wi-Fi connection. What if we were to add a um, you know a microphone to it so you could control it? And I said, okay, that's pretty cool, like uh, the clapper or something like that, where you, know, you could do you could do a little more. And then we said, what if we added a speaker to it? Then what else could you do with it? And the applications at that point mushroomed, and we realized we had something that would, could be really cool um, and really innovative. And it was with that that we knew that we could go on Kickstarter and and it would be a remarkable product. Uh, people would be literally willing to remark about it, and the idea would spread. So. Um, that that's how the 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 at least the the Ubi got started, um, and we put on Kickstarter and of course you know with all of our our work to uh, you know learning from previous um, previous uh, you know failures that we, we were able to get a successful Kickstarter. We were able to work with other um, IoT um, projects that were on there to to get lots of people um, you know coming to our coming to our uh, our campaign. Um, we got a lot of um, a lot of press. Um, and it was a big success, I guess, for a, for a Kickstarter project. And then towards the end of the project, um, we started to have this like 
horrible realization that we actually had to build this thing. And uh, that was re- that was really frightening. That there were, there were now there were now thousands of people who had ordered this prod- product, and um, you know we, we had wanted to, to get it going. Now at, now at that time, um, you know, twenty twelve, you didn't have much. I mean, you you had Siri, uh, but Google had just come out with um, I guess it was calling it Google Now at that point, and we said, okay, you know what. This is going to be a piece of cake. We're just going to get a, a little Android computer, and we are going to stick it inside of this box. We're going to add a, a speaker and microphone to it, and um, we are going to basically just leverage all of Google's, you know, Google Now's capability, where it started to have these voice responses uh, back when you were to search. And um, it didn't have the trigger word, but but you, you know, if you press the microphone button and ask what's the weather, it would actually speak it back to you at that point, which was really cool. So we said, okay, we're going to get an Android computer, we're going to put it inside, we're going to add a, uh, a trigger in front of it, um, and we're done. We're going to deliver this, we're going to be an early delivery Kickstarter project. And um, we very quickly found out that... Um, that wouldn't work. Um, we couldn't, uh, you know, we, we, the device was a headless device. There was no monitor for it. Um, so if we were, you know, we, we had to figure out where to simulate a, a button push after a trigger word. And, you know, whenever there was a change to anything from Google, um, it would break that process. Um, and also there was no predictability about what would come back as a voice response from Google versus a text response. And if it was a text response, how would we actually deal with it? There was so there was no API for for voice interaction, and it really dawned on us like, oh, what have we got ourselves into? Um, we we realized we had to start to put together all of the components on our own to make voice interaction, hands-free ambient voice interaction work, and. Um, it started off with, you know, when you look at kind of the spectrum of, uh, the, sorry, the, the chain of voice interaction, uh, there are a couple of components. So the first is um, a wake-up word. So whether ours was OK Ubi, but, you know, you have OK Google, you have Alexa, you have all of these other um, wake-up words, hey Siri. Um, after that, you have speech-to-text. So you're, you, you have different services that will do, will do speech-to-text. There were only, a, you know, now there are lots of them, but there are only a couple that were on the market uh, a few years ago. And then after you get back to text, you have to do natural language understanding. What is the user's intent? Um, you don't actually have to do NLU. NLU is just one way of doing it, but you have to understand the intent. Um, and then you have to do the integration um, and then you have to do um, you have to do text to speech, give some type of acknowledgement back to the user. So we kind of broke down the interaction into those steps, and we had to start working on every component of them. Um, and then beyond that, we had an additional problem, and that problem was far field. And um, you know, as soon as you get beyond like arm's length, of course, you get a, a big drop in 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 the signal. Um, signal degrades, you know, I think it's a, it's a square law, um, or power law rather. So, you know, so the further, if you double the distance, you know, you get four times less, um, signal when it comes to voice. So with that, um, we had to find a way of, you know, augmenting the, the voice signal without augmenting the noise as well. Um, and that was a challenge, you know, today there are, you know, maybe five or six, um, companies on the market that offer, off-the-shelf 
digital signal processing for Farfield. They have you know Farfield microphone kits. I think there's going to be more that are going to be on the market even by the end of this week. Um, hmm. Lots of that, lots that are there, and so. Um, but back in back in 2012, that wasn't the case. You had a few solution providers who were doing things for for audio, uh, sorry for for automotive, um, but not really for Farfield. And well, that and that's yeah. where I've got a question for you. So here you are doing all this stuff, and it's not like you're doing it secretly. Mm-hmm. You're doing it a, as a, as a, you're doing it in the most public way possible with a Kickstarter. You're figuring out all of these problems where, and you're creating this device where, if someone rolled out the Ubi tomorrow, Lior, uh, with your feature list and the same video that you produce with just somebody else in it. Uh, that's a commercially viable product today. Yes. Um, and, yeah. and here you are doing all this stuff back in 2012 into 2013. And nobody, I mean, yes, you had 1,200 backers. And I bet you it would be fascinating to look at who those backers were. Um, but, uh, you, you know, you just should have been acquired, um, you know, within the first two seconds of you posting the Kickstarter. Um, so uh, wh- why, it, actually, maybe you can explain um, some of the communications you no doubt got from some of the big tech companies and how your interactions with them have been do- doing that and then since then. Yeah, so um, I wish I could talk more and more. Detail. I got some great <laughs> salacious stories to tell you about intrigue. I have but, no doubt. But, um, but well, if no, you're under NDA, don't let us ruin that yeah, for you. Yeah, why us not? Yeah, but, so let's just say that, that we spoke to many of the big companies uh, early, early on. Um, and uh, I think uh, it was a combination of, of multiple, you know, multiple factors that, that you know, Clearly, we weren't acquired by any of them. Um, but one of the things is that you know acquisitions are. We were doing something very public, um, and so an acquisition would be very public. Um, and if that were the case, it would kind of um, uh, probably signal you know what any one of the companies were doing long in advance of a release. So it couldn't really. Mm, that's true. So, so that's the, um, that's the explanation I tell myself <laughs> over okay. why, we, why we weren't acquired. <laughs> that's a good one. It, yeah. I have not thought of that. Uh, so, so like even, you know, if you look at, um, you know, uh, even, even Google home didn't come out to this year. Um, there was, uh, you know, there, you know, Apple, you know, Apple HomePod was only a couple weeks ago, and and you know, uh, the the first Echo device was, you know, more than two years after our Kickstarter campaign. Um, so if that's still a long ways off from from 2012, so if they were to have come in and swooped us up, then it might say, oh, okay, these guys are working on something, and would have lit the fuse under under them to to maybe get a f- inferior product out before it was ready. So I think I think that. That's kind of the reason why, um, you know, at least one of the reasons why. The other is that there were still a lot of things that needed to be solved, um, and they were they were I think content to to kind of look at you know see what these the small company was was doing before deciding to to jump in, um, and as well the the other the the other technologies. Um, still needed to evolve. Um, so, like I was talking about Farfield, you know, when we were doing when we were doing our work on on Farfield, 
Um, we were getting quotes, something like um, you know two million dollars plus to do uh, you know an implementation of a far field algorithm on a on a DSP chip, um, and the, the the bill of materials cost would have been like ten to twenty dollars, you know, at at high volume per device, which is just enormous i mean it's it's especially for for a startup we would have we would have had to raise you know significant amount of funding in order to to be able to uh to pull that off and even then no guarantee of of performance and no guarantee of market plus we would have to also create our own channel for for marketing uh marketing the product so there was a lot of i mean there were a lot of challenges um for 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 you know for for what we had what we were facing well, sure. And I, I don't think anybody had the vision for how all this was going to play out. And a lot of credit, I think, goes to Amazon for uh, all of these companies are doing work and they're working furiously at uh, creating their own voice assistant and all that that entails, uh, you know, machine learning and, and all the rest of it. But Amazon deserves unique credit for being out there marketing it, mm-hmm. um, you couldn't have, you couldn't watch an NFL game this past season without seeing ads for Amazon Echo. Oh yeah, and uh, and that did something. Uh, it it uh, it formed the market. You know the the if you just imagine this uh, bunch of clay in front of you, Amazon sitting there shaping the market and preparing it. Um, and and showing people the use cases, showing people that this is not a gimmick, showing people that this is the future, and so I think they get a, a whole lot of credit. But even but you're right. Back then, uh, you know, if Amazon had that vision, they certainly couldn't have shared it with anybody. I doubt that they did, and no one knew how all this stuff was going to go. Exactly, and and the you know to, to your point, like there the there the education that was requ- that's required for for you know the that required for for the market was was really you know it was a very high bar because this was a this is a new interface altogether you know there's so many little things um, that could make a voice experience not work well that it requires a few you know a few initial attempts like even how you say the wake word how quickly you can talk to the thing you know when it's finished speaking we saw all of this from the early interaction with with the ubi that you know there's a certain cadence that you, you use when when talking to devices that if you don't have that in place it won't work so amazon had to had to educate the market and the amount of Effort and marketing dollars that went into that is just uh, you know enormous when you when you kind of look back. My my prediction, of course, is, is you know my estimate, and this is purely unscientific, is that it's probably over a billion dollars that that's gone into um, development and, and marketing of of uh, Alexa. Um, thousands of of person years in in into development. You know they're they're. You know, there's thousands sure. of people doing Alexa work now. So I still remember that like infamous day. I think it was November 6, twenty fourteen, when I get this this email from from my brother saying, "Uh oh," and with a link to uh, to the Echo. Um, mm. And and oh, now my uh, my Echo look is, is <laughs> how many, that happens like every. Well, congratulations! Right We're uh, twenty some odd minutes in, and you've now achieved the right rite of passage of all voice first <laughs> FM podcasts is activating a voice assistant. Exactly. So, so, so with with all of uh, you know with, with all that they they have they were you know first the the first thing on the Amazon.com website for the week 
following their um, you know their their launch, and so I think there there might have been something like half a million pre-orders. But the amount of, that you would have to spend to get you know your own product on the front page of Amazon for a week is probably in the tens of millions of dollars. Um, so yeah, so, if, if they'd even let you. Yeah, and, and so we saw really quickly like that that um, you know first it was it was. There was, you know, now looking back, you know, things are bittersweet. But at that point, it was, it was, I was fairly bitter, um, you know, about the uh, about the echo coming out. Um, you know, clearly, you know, we at that point we were we were even say we were actually selling the Ubi. We had launched from from beta um, out of beta, although the product still had you know issues to overcome. We had launched out of beta at that point, and we were selling on Amazon the um, the Ubi. And so our kind of claim to fame was: if you want something like the Echo and you want to buy it on Amazon, the only thing that you could get is an Ubi. So um, you know we were we were kind of hanging our hat on that. Um, mm. But but it was. Um, but, but you know now you know the, all the the effort that went into educating the market really has helped us and and as we transformed away from you know being our own you know, consumer hardware product company to helping other companies turn turn their products into voice interactive products so it's it's that's it's now part of what lot, i think yeah. it, and that, that's part of what i think is so interesting about you Lior, and and what you've been through is the cautionary tale um, of entrepreneurship in the voice space. And, and this is just for tech in general, but for voice specifically, there's a lot of venture capital money and investor money that wants to come into the space. And it's like anything else. If you're, if you're going to, you have to tread lightly around the four horsemen of tech, uh, lest you get stomped. And that's not exactly what happened to you. And you're too smart. You know, obviously, you're in a great place now. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff coming out today um, that you just look at it and you're like, what are, what are you thinking exactly? Because all it takes is Apple or Amazon or Google or Microsoft to decide they want to do this thing. And, you're, and your revenue goes directly to zero. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so you kind of have to learn to to dance with uh, with the giants around sure. you. Sure, um, but like even like a, a lot of you know our our work was around was around timing. Of course, we came out with a, a product really early, way ahead of the, where the the market is before you know someone had educated the market. And you know when we were going out and and doing our own fundraising um, for it, um, we you know we were we were met with countless objections um you know people saying things like ah, i'm not really sure that voice is the future or you know why would i why would i you know tell the device to turn on the lights when i could just go up the light switch and, and flick the light switch or um yeah i'm not sure you know why why isn't this going to be on a on a mobile device to use it and like now i just want to go and like throw an echo through their window but <laughs> but or uh, just go pull up that email and forward it back to them <laughs> three or four years later yeah they would laugh it off i'm sure i mean but it was all, all you know and it's fair enough you know not a lot not a lot of people saw saw this thing coming but you know now for a product to come to market that's doing something in voice it can't just be equivalent to the echo or the you know home pod or um or google home it has to be significantly different it has to have a new type of interface it has to do something that is going to wow people and uh, it's not enough just to kind of come out with a product that's going to match capabilities um so with voice there's kind of a challenge that that you know hardware makers are are faced with one you know do i integrate these services into my product in order to you know 
make it better for the user? You know, can I have Alexa on my, um, you know, on my my lamp, um, or or can I have uh, you know Google um, embedded assistant or Google assistant on my on on my my device in order to you know allow for streaming music through it? Is that going to create a better user experience, or do I create my own? You know, user experience. Maybe I only have a couple of local commands for just controlling the device hands-free, or maybe I go with a entirely new interaction where I have a branded experience through voice. So there are some these new questions that that these these you know companies need to 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 address when thinking about whether or not to add voice to to their products. It's a perfect segue to you talking about what UCIC does today. So what do you guys do and, and how do you help companies navigate these waters? Uh, sort of explain, walk us through that. Yeah, so, so companies typically approach us where um, they're interested in voice in some way. Um, they, they, they're working on a product or you know, the next revision of a product where they want to implement voice and they're not sure how to proceed. You know they're faced with um, the different services that are out there uh, that they could implement. Um, they're also faced with um, uh, some of the you know some of the questions about you know how they should implement or address their brand in conjunction with these other services or voice interaction. So you know one one area where we can help them is kind of go through the different options that are available. Um, we can also. Um, you know, guide them on how this can affect things like the the product development timeline, or the cost, um, or the type of um, the type of components that they need to add to their products. Um, so, and then at the next step, you know, if it's if it's um, you know working on different components, it's selecting the components, it's testing them, it's ensuring that they move forward with with the best um, option. Um, for for voice in their product, um, and then it's helping them get that product to market, um, you know, in the most timely and cost effective manner. Perfect. And your website is www.ucic.io, and people can contact you through there. Absolutely. Yeah, they can um, they they can check out our website and they can reach out to us. Um, we've developed a few tools as well that they can use to um, to help um, um, test out what voice interaction would be like on their product. Um, so a few of them are going to be coming out over the next few weeks, and they can also check out a skill that we created called um, the Ubi Portal skill. Um, on, okay. on under Alexa and uh, yeah so there's there's a bunch of ways that they can get in touch we'll have links to all of that in the show notes um, if you're interested in checking that out uh, we will make those links available Lior thank you very very much for giving us some of your time and sharing with us some of your perspective and uh, experience today it's been a lot of fun Brad thank you so much you got it for the fourth episode of the voice first roundtable Thank you for listening, and until next time.